Thanks for downloading this episode of Historic Racing News. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching for Historic Racing News wherever they get their podcasts. Welcome to the Historic Racing News Radio Show. Hello and welcome to an unusual Insider Special because we only have one subject on the cards today and that subject is one of the most intriguing men in modern day motorsport who goes back more years than he perhaps wants to think about and that's Rob Smedley. And Joe Bradley, you uh, you had the opportunity to talk to him. He's a fascinating bloke, isn't he? Yeah, I mean... Paul, just look at Rob's involvement and rich history, uh, a career, um, you know, spanning almost 30 years, isn't it? Or at least 25 from being a suspension engineer at Pillbeam all the way through to almost winning that 2008 World Championship with Felipe Massa at, for, uh, at Ferrari. And now, he, you know, got, going through uh, consultancy work with Formula One, he's, he's still got his fingers in many, many pies and he's very much an engineer at the forefront of motorsport as a whole, and especially these days with his total karting uh, concept of of bridging that step of you know going uh, bridging that step into competitive karting for for kids and making it and this is the important bit, Paul, cost effective, which is very rare in motorsport these days. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's never cheap, gears, but it's cost still. effective. Yeah, I think you're right, Joe. And I, I, I have to declare an interest because my grandson Oscar uh, is a customer of Total Karting or a user of Total Karting. Uh, I don't think you can be a customer when you're five, uh, but he's um, he's been out there. And I, I tell you that the organisation is brilliant, and we'll hear fr- from Rob about the reasons behind everything he's done. But that the first time that Oscar ever actually went in a cart, besides anything else, uh, was down at Thruxton, and that he he was battling a bit with with getting the right speeds up and things, and that Rob Smedley came over and sat down with Oscar at five and talked him through it, and you think, oh wow, this is. This is the man who has sat down with Felipe Massa and Fernando Alonso and and some of the greatest people around. And yet he was not afraid to say, right, Oscar, come and sit down here and let's let's just talk it through. And I thought, you know, that was amazing. But he's he's got he's got that rich history. I mean, I, I love it when you talk to people who talk about their everyday lives and every sentence you you sit there open mouthed because it's something you know the those conversations that start with um well you know i said to fernando alonso or uh, <laughs> you know, that and and there there are some people who do it who are trying to impress you and there's an awful lot of people who don't and they they're just they're just telling you about their lives yeah. and he's one of those isn't he yeah very much as as you as we will hear paul 
Um, it was very much one of those conversations. And it was, I, I, I could have talked to Rob for hours and hours because, you know, he, he, what you've just described there, I, kind of, I think that kind of emphasizes Rob's full understanding of our sport. Um, and being able to sit down with the likes of, as you've said, Felipe Massa at the very top level of the sport. But also, what I mean by a complete understanding of the sport is being able to then do exactly the same with a five-year-old new to the sport, new to the concepts of momentum and racing lines and how to drive around a track. And and not only that, but having that person, that five-year-old, actually be able to address that and adapt and and get better and 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 that five year old having an understanding and that's very that's very much a skill in itself to be able to get that training aspect of what you do across in an understandable way to allow that individual whether it be five or fifty five to be able then to apply what you're telling them and to get better at what they do. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I, I suppose there are some parallels with certain prima donna racing drivers that we can think of at <laughs> Formula One level and below. That you know, you you can't go in and bully them. That you have to get the get the best out of them. And I think that you know, Rob Smedley is right up there with the very best of those people in terms of being able to get the best out of his drivers. And you know that the success. And we always we always think of Rob with Felipe Massa and the the success that Felipe Massa had, which was considerable, was very largely down to Rob, I think. Yeah, it's it's a team effort, isn't it? And and also that relationship of being able, but, but Rob Smedley's ability to communicate and get the best out of his drivers—that's a skill that not all race engineers have. They can look at the squiggly lines and look at the data and address that. But then it's the human element that is equally, if not more important to be able to, you know, if you, if you drive it, if your engineer is not getting on with the driver and there's a clash of personality, it doesn't matter how much data you want to pour over. You're never going to achieve anything. And, and Rob seems to have this. Uh, it, 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 he's a great communicator. He's from the northeast. What 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 do you expect, Paul? <laughs> Let's hear what uh, the two of you had to say. Rob Smedley um, has joined me today. Rob, um, a lad from Middlesbrough who has been through Formula One as an engineer and heading up technical departments at the very highest level of the sport. You've gone right down literally to the bottom of the motorsport ladder, Rob, and now you're involved in total karting. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, well, thanks for having me, first of all, Joe. It's uh, it's a real honour to be on here. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm still involved in in, uh, in in Formula One, not quite as intensely as I was, um, you know, when, when I was travelling to each and every race. Um and running the the teams, as you said, but I'm I'm still, uh, you know, I'm, I, I still like to keep my, my my eye in there. But but then, you know, I wanted to when when I stopped with with Williams um, at the end of 2018, 
you know, I knew that I was, I, I had, you know, 12 months to think about that. Um, I knew that that was happening. Um, but what, uh, you know, what, what, what was really apparent to me was that I wanted to do something a bit more purposeful. Um, you know, I, I, I come from the Northeast, I come from Middlesbrough, um, from humble um, beginnings, um, you know, and I've been quite fortunate to be right place, right time with with a lot of my career um you know i've taken the opportunities when they came but i have been right place right time and and i wanted to put you know something try, try to put something back in um you know because i've had that those those lucky breaks i want to put something back in to get you know more kids from more let, let's say not 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 billionaire backgrounds <laughs> uh yeah. Or, or, or rich backgrounds involved. So, you know, when you look at that, it was about lowering the barriers to entry. And one of the, the biggest barriers to entry of, of kart racing is, is, the, is the socioeconomic, is the economic barrier. Yeah. You know, it's, expensive. Yeah. it's very, very expensive. Um, so it was looking at, um, you know, doing something with racing carts um, that, that still allowed people to, you know, kids to have that same experience and to hone their skills and to grow. Um, but trying to do it at a much lower participation cost than um, than 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 what the current offering is. So offering is offering an alternative, you know, to run in parallel. This is not yeah. over. There's always going to be there's going to be plenty of you know hunger for the current offering um, yeah. and that current structure. Um, but this is to do something in parallel, um, so as to bridge that gap really from. From the rental car plates, you know, you know, yes. brilliant places like Team Sport, you know, where kids can just go and get involved in motorsport for for, for a low um, initial cost, and then you know when there's going to there's a, there's a big percentage of those that want to go on and do the outdoor stuff, the racing car stuff, because um, we're not racing, you know, we're not we're not corporate cars, sorry, we are racing cars. This is a full racing experience, but then there's there's kind of a big gulf between that you know, between coming out of a, of a corporate um, environment and then going up into the, uh, the, 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 the racing kart environment, you know, even at the lowest level, even at club level and, and, and independent kart racing, you know, it's still, it's still very expensive and it's still a big commitment for the families when they have to go out and buy all the kit. You yeah. know, find out that the kit isn't as fast as somebody else's kit. So then it's more investment and all the rest of it. It's becoming, it's becoming a bit of a problem, I think, in the sport, Rob. It's been, I think Lewis Hamilton has even identified it as uh, karting is becoming out of, it's becoming out of reach. Even, I mean, entry-level motorsport, which is cadet karting, you're talking about tens of thousands of pounds to go uh, and compete in a national championship. And it's, for want of a better term, it is a problem for the likes of Karting UK, uh, the Motorsport Association, the FIA, because eventually it's going to dry up, isn't it? That entry-level kind of feeder through karting and into car racing is going to eventually dry up. If we, I think they've projected that if we continue with the way that we're going with the rising costs. Um, so I kind of saw your electric kart series as as bridge as you've exactly described it that was my perception which i'm glad to say is how i've perceived it it's it's kind of bridging that gap between um the higher cart sort of sessions and competing at in a club 
at a club event. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and and you know, I would like to you know that the plan is that we eventually run this as a as a league system as well because because it's, it's like all sports. There should be you know I want to make it fairer so everybody's on an even playing field, literally, which is where the electrification bit comes in. You know, electrification is really the vehicle for for parity because because the electric trains that we've we've designed and developed means that you know all the kids who are driving these carts have exactly the same machinery underneath them so so therefore you know we we want to start this off at a local level um you know what we're trying to do is we're trying to get out to your local area if you like so so we would like to run a, a championship we take 2022 a championship in the north a championship in the midlands and a championship in the south right and that would be us moving the equipment about on a month by month basis, you know, so there'd be like, let's say one round per month, um, yeah. these local championships. Um, and that's us kind of coming to you rather than the normal model, you know, you having to go to wherever yes. part races and, yeah. and the majority. So let's say, you know, we, we did a, a Northern championship, which would be for that Northern demographic. Yeah. Um, then you would hope that over six rounds or something, three of them, the families can stay at home. Um, yes. You know, it's within it's 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 within the proximity of you know forty five minutes from their house or something like that. Um, the majority of our competitors, which means that three out of the six rounds you can stay at home, so you've cut that cost out as well. Um, and is that is that the plan for twenty twenty two, Rob? That's the plan for twenty twenty two. So this year in twenty one, we've been out there. We've done a summer championship that's just yeah. concluded. That has been absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, fully subscribed. The kids have absolutely loved it. Uh, you know, you the, the families love it as well. We've got lots of new families in the karting. Families turn up. They just have right, a brilliant great. weekend. You know, brilliant weekend of, of fun, you know, all bonding, all doing all of that. We, you know, that great stuff together, which is exactly, you know, a huge reason why I wanted to do this. Um, we've just now um, put on sale the Winter Championship, which is, um, which is, which is beginning... Um, at the end of this month, yeah. so 25th of October, um, all the details and everything on the website, that is now, you know, that that's, that is um, growing in sales and, and will soon sell out in the, yeah. in the cadet category. I've got, um, your win- I've got your winter championship in front of me, Rob. Bayford Meadows, 30th, 31st of October, which is the last weekend of October. Then the last weekend of November, Elf Park. You come to me at Warden Law on the 18th and 19th of December. We'll have a turkey for a prize there. I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. Um, Wilton Mill, 29th, 30th of January, and then Thruxton. So that's a national championship, isn't it? You've gone from, um, I'm not sure where Bayford Meadows is, but I certainly know Wilton Mill in the middle of the country, Thruxton in the south, and Warden Law in the northeast of England. That's that's quite a, a nice little spread that you're going to be able to uh, uh, bring your your electric circus too. Yeah, 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 exactly. And 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 you know, whether you can whether you can turn up for one or two of the, the rounds or whether you can turn up for all of them, mm. you know, it's great fun. Just come and get involved. Um and you know that that will be we'll be doing more of the same next year. Next year, as I said, I would like to split it regionally. So I've got three championships going yeah. on currently um from like March to to July. And then after that, then the kids, all, all the best kids from from that championship, um, from those three championships, the top thirty percent or whatever it is, the top thirty three percent, all then go forward, and, and then they're eligible for for the national championship. So you know this yeah. is this is a real 
league and meritocratic system. If you're good enough, the cards are exactly the same. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about coming and, um, you know, having mechanical skills or trying to work out how, how a carburetor works or why a carburetor is failing, um, which is more, more the case that we see. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have no idea that. You just have to come and, uh, and, and, and like bring your helmet and your suit. And, and my team does, does everything else. You have a great weekend of fun. Um, and the best kids, you know, um, at the end of those those local championships, if you like, um, the best kids from the front there will all be eligible to go forward for the uh, the, the national championship towards the end of the year. And, and, is know, it, and, and is it, Rob, is it kind of an arrive and drive where you, you, you bring the carts, the competitors turn up, all they have to have is a, a, the appropriate uh, safety wear, like race suit, boots, helmet, gloves. They are allocated a cart for the weekend, and your guys will then tend to the cart. Mechanics, engineers will set the carts up for the competitors. Um, is it as simple as that? Um, we'll get into the cost in a moment, because I, I I really like this idea, because there's... There's something that I used to love about motorsport, and I'm being sarcastic, was at the end of the weekend, packing the truck. With your series, there's none of that. You just don't no, have to do that. So if you're, if you're a glutton for uh, <laughs> like yourself, Joe, yeah, you, you, you get to miss out on that bit. But to be honest, you can come and help the lads pack the truck if you want. Why don't you come? <laughs> oh, yeah, I used to love that bit. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, you know, in, in all seriousness, that what we found because we did a lot of, of study on this, um, mm-hmm. and and what we found was that you know the biggest barriers to entry were were cost, of course, um, you know, and complexities of of the market. So you know, coming in and what chassis to buy, what engine to buy, what engine tuning to go with, um, you know, just just all of that stuff. We're finding that a lot of, of, of families, especially young families with, with dads that haven't grown up as I did, you know, around carburetors and, and internal combustion engines, um, you know, it was just it was just too complex. So so we basically take care of everything. It's exactly as you described. You 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 know everything. It's a fixed cost if you like, and everything is included in that. So you know, the, the, all your tires are included in it. Your entry fees, your mechanics, your tent fees, the carts. The higher of the carts, the event itself, you know, putting on the event, you know, everything is 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 done. The, the components, the spares, the the sundries, the consumables, all of that's all of that. So, so we just take the complexity right out of it, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. And you get like a, it, it is, it, it feels to me what what I really love about it. It feels to me like a really big team, you know. We've had yes. we've had we have forty drivers per event, you know, because we're still at, oh, wow. at a small level. Um, and I want to grow that eventually to 120 drivers in an event, you know, with 60 carts across all the all the various age categories. Um, but the 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 interesting thing is, it feels like it's feel it's a really really nice atmosphere. Um, you know, there's none of yeah. this this. It's it's very very competitive, and, and we love that that you know the kids get out on the track and they're they're pushing each other, um, and you know they're they're really driving each other on to. To, to do better and better, and each of them wants to win. You know, it's it's normal. Yeah, yeah of course. Racing uh, spirit there, but the brilliant thing is that you know we've created an atmosphere where it's a safe atmosphere, it's a family atmosphere. You get out of the car, you know. Some 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 of the little ones are a little bit upset for for half an hour, but then you know <laughs> we're all back in the game, um, and and there's no you know there's there's no nonsense because it's got to be about the kids and it's got to be about having fun. And um, it's 
from what I've seen, um, uh, the, the information I've got, Rob, it's, it's very cost effective. I mean, we've all heard the adage of the infamous carting dads, carting parents that you have to deal with. If you've ever run a cart team, um, you've, you've got to deal. The parents are harder to deal with than the kids. But I've always found from my experience that the intensity from that side of things comes with the amount of money that is being spent to put your child into that into that event your series kind of takes that intensity away because it's very very cost effective what sort of what i know the answer to this question but i want you to tell us what what's the costs of me turning up with my my grandson say um forgetting the travel what what how much will it cost for me to get involved well well um it's before i before i answer that question i mean yeah, yeah. Let me ju- let me just frame it um, to 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 just say that this is not corporate karting, right? This is, yep. uh, as you know, Joe. I, I've mentioned that this is this is racing carts, yeah. Um, and and if you think about what you need to spend to to get yourself off the ground normally in karting, and I think for some of you listeners listeners, it's worth framing this. Otherwise, you know, it's it, it's it's uh, it's it's not putting everything in context, yeah. you know. If you, usually to get everything off the ground, if you you know if you're going to do it in a, in a reasonably cheap and cheerful way, um, the the absolute minimum that you'll get away with with once you've bought trailers and once you've bought carts and equipment and spares and tires and engines and all the rest of it um, is about six grand. More normally about ten grand, and then you've got to get into your event costs, right? Where each event, um, if you're doing it at a clubby level. Um, you've got your tyres to take into account, which are 100 and odd quid. Then you've got the, the entry fees. Then you've got spares and, and all the rest of it. Um, so, so it was. It's worth just framing that, and that's down at clubby level. If you want to, if when you're up at national level, and by the way, our our costs don't change whatever level you're at, whether or not you're at local level or, or national level. That's the beauty of our series that that doesn't change. Um, when you get up to national level in normal car, you know, as you, you talked about tens of thousands of pounds, uh, in fact, um, it's high tens of thousands of pounds. You know, it's, it's, yes, up, it towards, it's up towards six figures and there's, and there's plenty of people who are doing, yeah. um, you know, British Championship who are spending six figures because um, that's what it takes to compete. It just puts normal families much more out of the market. So we're charging um, for a full weekend, everything all included, a fixed price, if you like, um, it starts at 460 quid plus VAT um, for the Bambinos and 475 for the, the cadets. Yeah. Um, which which we quite often have people who've never done motorsport before come into us and say, oh, well, that's that's a lot of money. And you're right, right? I'll, I'll 100% agree with you, um, Joe. You know, 475 pound is a lot of money um, in anyone's books, you know, my books, anyone's books. Um, but... We got to start somewhere, right? Um, well, we actually, actually, Rob, being, being around car, I, I'm glad you've put that into context, mate, because I was seeing those figures as being very cheap, but I perhaps I've been around karting and motorsport too long. <laughs> so, thanks for putting that into context. Yeah, 400, 500 quid a week for a weekend's activity is a lot of money, but in context with what, how you've described it, I'm glad you've done that because I was thinking that was very cheap. A cheap weekend of karting. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 this is where this is where we're all getting conditioned to, isn't it? Yeah, just, absolutely. 
It is. And, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something as, else as well, Joe, which is really important to me as, as the business owner and as the founder of this. You know, I want to, when I, when I increase volume and, um, you know, more bums on seats and all the rest of it, um, I want to keep driving that down, right? Because if you think about what, what, what I'm seeing already is the demographic of people that we can get involved in this um, is already way, way below the, 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 the lower limit of, of people who, who normally get involved in, in, in you know, in, in the standard offering. So we've already lowered that barrier. Um, but, and, I, and I'm, I'm a firm believer if, if we continue to drive that barrier down, we'll get more and more people involved. You know, the lower we can make that barrier, that cost barrier, the more people you'll get involved, you know, because there's going to be plenty of people um, who, who can't afford the £475 a weekend. Um, you know, our our fundamental objective has to be to keep driving that cost down. So, Rob, the the cart. Looking at the carts, they are they look exactly the same as a Bambino cart or a Cadet cart. However, I would imagine they're massively different. No petrol engine. You can see some sort of device beside the driver. Give us a little bit of an insight technically on the differences between a Cadet cart with a petrol engine and your electric cart. All right, so so the chassis themselves is will be very similar. It's it's a racing cart chassis, you know, because we want to. My when we were designing this, it was all about lightweight and everything as much as possible, getting everything to the to the nth degree, exactly like we were doing Formula One. So so the kids end up with a real racing experience, you know, the the steering, the weight of the cart, the way that the cart handles has to be exactly the same. Otherwise, we've missed all of our targets. Yeah, and. And so, so the chassis is exactly the same. Uh, the chassis is a is is a is a slightly modified either Cadet or Bambino chassis from Birrell Art, who are a partner of ours. Um, you know, and, and they're guys who I've known for many many years and and uh, do a great job. I think you know, put out a really solid product. Um, and then everything else around that. So all of the what we call the electric drivetrain. Um, we've designed so so there's a there's there's a battery element to it there's a motor element to it and then you've got all the whiz bang electronics in in what's called the inverter and controller now all of the real um ip the intellectual property if we're going to get a bit tech for um for, for a sec is really in um all of that software that we that we program so so the way that we use it um and and all the control systems that, that we program into the cart um and that's why, you know, that's been a, um, a, a lot of work um, to get that right. Um, and that work is still ongoing. We're still perfecting it. You know, we're in the middle now of what's called the Generation 1.5, or we've just finished the Generation 1.5 design. We're starting on, on the Generation 2 design, which is going to have lots of different features again. Um, so, you know, the engineer in me um, wants mm-hmm. to absolutely keep pushing that along and keep yeah. designing and keep delivering but but essentially the 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 whole drivetrain what you see which, which sits around the, the the driver consists of a battery which is where your energy store is um you know and that has to be recharged and then it gets discharged when you're on the track so that's that's like the fuel if you like the battery is the fuel and then there's a then there's an electric motor um a seven kilowatt electric motor and depending on whether it's a Bambino, a Bambino will 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 be at around about um, three kilowatts, which is very very similar, if not even a little bit more than a than a petrol Bambino. Um, will be at around about five kilowatts um, for the um, Cadet. Um, that's the power output. So they they again are very similar 
to um, the, the the petrol equivalent, um, and then you've got the inverter um, and the controller, and all of that sits under a, a nice little like carbon style panel that you uh, so it's all neatly packaged, um, and then it's chain driven, so it's exactly the same as uh, um, as a as a normal. Um, cart as a petrol cart so you go from the electric motor it's got a sprocket on the front um, and then we've got a, a small sprocket on the back just because of of, um, of how fast it'll rev um, the electric motor will rev and then uh, what else have we got uh, that's it really it's 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 yeah. fairly it sounds fairly simple until you get into the details and then it becomes yeah. horrendously complicated but I, I have no idea that's why I've got a load of lads from Formula One um, <laughs> who, who followed me out there. Who, you know, guys who designed MG UKs on Formula One cars. Wow. Um, so they're they're all doing this now at this level, which is good. You know, because we've all come into this to be purpose driven and to give back. Uh, and lap time wise, are they sort of very comparative to a Bambino lap time and uh, a Cadet lap time and the on the tracks that you've already been to? Yeah, I mean, without you know, we didn't go out purposely to 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 try to absolutely match the the, the lap times of yeah. or a cadet or a bambino. Um, you know, it kind of that just organically dropped out of where the where all of our performance targets were. But I think if anything, um, the 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 bambino is is a little bit faster, um, and the uh, cadet is possibly a little bit slower. But we're talking. I mean, it depends on track to track, to be honest, Joe, because each track's different. And you might be talking about, you know, yeah. a second either way. Um, you know, being But, but that, that's, that's exactly what that answers my question, Rob. If you're already a second either way, then you're right on the money for me. If, if, and, it, and to be honest, they are different. So even if they were 10 seconds slower or probably 10 seconds faster would be in the wrong direction uh, for, for, a, for a kid's um, cart series. But if you if you're a second there or thereabouts, then that you you're right on the money, you guys. Yeah, and that's and that's what we you know we 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 purposely didn't go out to try to match, as I said, the the to to the to the to the tenth uh, a petrol equivalent lap time. I don't think that's the the objective. The objective here is is that they're quick enough that the kids are getting a racing experience, right? That these young drivers when we when when they sit in these carts. They're getting a proper racing experience. You know, they're not going round at, at full throttle for the whole track or anything, any, anything like that. They're getting a proper racing experience. They're learning how to drive a car. They're learning how to handle a car. All the nuances that you need to be a fast car driver, you'll get from this. Um, but you know, the lap times have kind of just fallen out where they've fallen out, and 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 as it happens, they're they're reasonably close, which is a, which is a good thing. So to get involved, Rob, we're looking at um, – I'm trying to find your – so it's totalkartingmotorsport.com um, is where all the information is about getting involved and getting your child involved in this series. If that And this is – I love this. This is, this is a major breakthrough for me because as you've just described, you know, you, you've kind of bridged that gap between going to your indoor or your corporate karting facility – and then competing on a proper in a proper uh, competitive karting event, um, like what we'll see, it, you know, it, what, what I'll see for myself. Your carts will just piggyback our IKR in the, on the third weekend of December, and it'll be and the competitors that you bring, they are part of a competitive karting event, aren't they? That's, that's proper racing. It's not just it's not just corporate karting. 
Oh no, no, no! This is this is this is competitive outdoor kart racing, right? This is these are racing karts, um, and and we've got you know the mass down as much as possible. I know that's always been a challenge with electric karts, you know, yes. where people are adding fifty odd kilos onto them because of all the batteries yes. and stuff like that. Um, I'm lucky, I guess, um, with my knowledge from Formula One and plus the you know the the knowledge that of, of the guys that have come with me on this journey, the technical guys, the engineers, and the and and the the data scientists and the analysts who are all you know involved in this now. Um, I'm lucky that we've been able to bring that knowledge because you bring that knowledge of of Formula One and you kind of turn something into you know you, you put a lot of Formula One engineers on something and something that did weigh thirty kilos now weighs five. Right, um, with exactly the same functionality, or, or in most cases, better functionality, um, and that's kind of the, the the mindset that we set about on this. You know, there's a lot of challenges um, with these carts, especially when you're keeping them at 48 volts, um, and, and that's the key. You've got to keep it at 48 volts. If you go above 48 volts, um, you get into a different class of system, and that needs lots of different um, safety training. It's it's right. safety training for the kids when they're getting out of the carts because the you know you you, yeah. you get all sorts of dangerous zones that the, the circuit has to invest in lots of different um right. you know um extinguishments and and yeah. water baths and sand boxes and all this type of stuff and i didn't want any of that i just wanted to make this as simple as possible so i can come to circuits exactly like what we're talking about up there um you know in 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 the northeast in warden law where you are and and yeah. I'd like to say it to to you guys right there's nothing else that needs to happen here. You know what I mean? As yes. all you need to do is 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 let us in, um, and we'll run the carts, and you run the event exactly how you normally would. So there was all those aspects that I wanted to take into account. And plus, you know, even if these these weren't, this is I'm going to get really boring now, Joe, and tell you all about well, the. You're F- in good company, Rob. Keep, keep yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, we can <laughs> properly nerd out here. So so there's 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 Article Two Five Six FIA, um, you know, regulations. Um, or general regulations, general council, um, general assembly regulations, which are Article Two Five Six Appendix J, which tells you about the 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 various different classes of of an event. Now, Warden Law, for example, is a classic um, case because that's governed. Um, that's a Motorsport UK track, um, so yeah. it comes under their, their their governance and guidelines. So, so if I'd have arrived with with carts that were above. Um, 48 volts, um, you know, as a, as a nominal voltage, um, then then what would have happened is that, you know, there would have been a lot of costs that the yeah. those guys would have had to put into the circuit. Yeah. Not only that, you know, I want to ensure that when we're building these carts, you know, at mass production, um, these are super safe, right? If there's any problem with them, that nobody's going to get hurt, you know, and it's exactly the same as as... As, as anything that we kind of set our mindset to within the business. Um, they, they have to be, safety has to be paramount for the kids. You know, the, my, my, my dictum when I, when I actually go to the events and I talk to the kids, I always ask them two questions, right? Two questions you've always got to ask yourself when you're doing karting is, um, are you having fun and are you safe? And if yeah. you answer both of them, crack on with it, right? And if, and, and if one of them might be a no, stop. And and that's where we are with, with, with this stuff as well. So there's a lot of nuances and a lot of trying to get the whole thing packaged together and get the mass down and get within the regulations and keep it safe and, and, and deliver a complete racing experience to these kids um, in, in an environment which, which they feel safe and happy and make a lot of new mates. I mean, what's not to like? 
I'm I'm I've got to say, mate, I'm really excited that when um, I was talking to Matt and Paul at the track, and they told me that there was a possibility of you bringing these the, these electro carts to Warden Law in December for a round. I was quite excited because it is new technology. It's and and also I think more importantly, you're bringing a brand new audience into kart racing, and you you're you're enabling that to happen because of the costs and and keeping and stifling those costs for people to be able to participate it's a big thing at the moment at, at ground level karting it's uh, even with my involvement at a track it's getting more people involved in the sport and the as ever in motorsport the stifler is always going to be cost and how much money is in your pocket and how much how much money you can justify to go racing twice a month um this is i think your series is bridging that gap in a massive way and, and maybe that can continue because of the the uh, the costs of or the lesser costs, the reduced costs of running electric, and and of course, you know, arguably, we are aiming towards electric in in a much bigger way with more electric cars on the road, aren't we? The technology is becoming more and more familiar. Yeah, it becomes more familiar, and as it becomes more familiar, becomes more more refined. Mm. Um, you know, becomes more developed. Um, you know, we're we're in discussions with with all sorts of different battery and cell manufacturers now, and that technology, even from when we started this two years ago, has moved on massively now because of my, what's uh, the best way of putting this? My network, if you like. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can get into, um, you know, I can open a few doors and, and get to places where you know, get to the Tesla cells and and get to all sorts of different uh, other cell technology. Um, which is which is brilliant because I you know I can kind of bring that those, that Formula One network and bring it back down to karting and benefit that. So as the cell technology improves, what does that mean? The battery cell technology it means that um, the cars can run for longer um, and the batteries become cheaper at the same time. You know as the whole thing gets democratized, so that reduction in cost, if you like, gets passed into uh, on, onto the customer. So yeah. it's all. Um, you know, it's 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 absolutely all going in the right direction. You know, yeah. we're at the 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 advent, if you like, of, of electrification. Now, there might be something else out there um, in a few years' time, Joe. That that is 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 even you know makes our series even even faster, fairer, cheaper, cleaner than it is now. Um, you know, whether that's hydrogen fuel cells or whether yeah. that's um, synthetic fuels or whatever. We're not wedded to this. What we're wedded to is bringing a low cost. Right. Um, or a lower cost product and continue to drive that cost down and continue to drive the quality of the product up, um, you know, and just make racing, as we keep saying, faster, fairer, cheaper, cleaner, right? now well, That was my next question, actually, is yep. are you guys looking at moving with uh, the, the technology? You're not, all right, we're talking about electric cars at the moment, but like you've, I think you've just answered the question. If needs be, you'll move into other technologies that are cost effective. Yeah, of course you will. Of course you will. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all about making making the the, the best racing carts, which are which give the most equal performance at the lowest possible cost we can. Right, we've got to run a business, so so there is some cost, but at the lowest possible cost we can. So we keep driving the cost down, we keep driving the quality up, um, and whatever technology we we there is out there, which is readily available and doesn't cost us millions of pounds in R and D. We'll go out there and we'll grab it, right? We'll go out there and we'll grab it and we'll put them on these carts. And, you know, there might be technology that hasn't even been invented yet, you know, but between yes. the yeah. technical team, we'll be there and we'll be getting it because if it's better for both of those objectives of 
better quality product and lower cost to the customer, we're there. You know, we're we're not we're not evangelical or wedded to anything. We're, we're here just to give the best product that we possibly can to our young drivers. The historic racing news radio show. Um, I'm not sure if there is anybody uh, in our listener base that would know who you are, Rob. But just in case somebody has been locked in a cupboard for the last 30 years, um, Rob Smedley, um, you, you came to prominence, I would suggest, through your Ferrari days, I would think. That was when Sky TV kind of made you a TV star, didn't they? With yeah. some great interviews. All right, there was the infamous, um, you know, Fernando is faster than you or whatever it was. Um but you've had quite a rich career that that's now bearing fruit in in you being able to get involved in this. And I, if I look at your CV or your history, I should say your career history, uh, you started off at Pillbeam uh, as a suspension engineer. Um, I, I'm not going to take in your university yet. You had to work very hard. And I've got to say, Rob, I, I used to do some lecturing at Gateshead College when they had a, a motorsport engineering course there. Mm-hmm. And it was a roundabout um or nine ten eleven and onwards for about five six years and i used to because all of the lads there were obviously from the northeast not exactly a hotbed for motorsport technology the northeast i used to always use you as an example and that if you work hard and you put the work in you know you could be rob smedley on that ferrari pit wall um so starting off as a as a suspension engineer with pillbeam if you can give us a pricey of your career and how I think you already answered it by saying you see opportunities and that present themselves and you take those opportunities. Is that pretty much how you've gone through the, the last, what, it's almost 30 years, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. How long it's been. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, yeah, to yeah, I do. I do. I think, I think you know, th- th- there's lots of people who are prominent figures in, in Formula One. Um, if I can get all self-indulgent and put myself in that category for a minute but i, yeah, I think please do. but 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 i think that he, he's the deal right um and, and i'm going to have loads of you know my colleagues and and, and mates who, who hate me for saying this that you all know you are <laughs> right it, it's nothing to do with our genius boys it's to do with us being in the right place at the right time there's plenty of other people out in the world who are cleverer than us you know genius gets bandied around far too much or you know legend or any of this nonsense we were just in the right place, right time. We took the opportunities. You know, I was really ambitious as a as a as a as a young um, engineer. Not in it. Not in that really. You know, awful. You know, do anything to to get the top. I just I just knew what I wanted to do when I say I was ambitious and and I was I was single minded in in what I wanted to do. Um, and I guess that possibly shone through in the organisations that I worked through because you know I kind of kept. Um, continue to kind of bounce um, up the well, is it, the, the greasy pole, I think it's called, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Climbing the greasy pole. Hard to get purchase, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but but I think the, the reality of there is, is is that I just got my head down, you know, and, and I still do the same now, you know, even as a business owner, I get my head down and just want to get the job done. You know, it's the, it's the, real, the fun of motorsports for me. Yes, you've got those couple of hours of adrenaline on a Saturday and Sunday afternoon but the fun for me is is working in this real collaborative environment you know it's teamwork it's it's working at a very you know that the highest level of engineering and science and technology um and it's really that that whole 
team can do attitude. That's what I love about Formula One and motor racing is that, right, we've got a problem. Uh, are we going to fix it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and each and every day when I get out of bed, you know that, you know, my, um, if I can sound there posh for a minute, you know, my PA kind of, everything's mapped out of, of what I'm going to do from hour by hour. Um, and we get to about half past nine in the morning and all that goes out the windows. You start fighting fires and solving <laughs> problems. Um, and, and, you know, I'm exaggerating a bit, but I, I do love that. And that goes all the way back to when I started at Pillbeam. So, uh, you know, I started at Pillbeam um, in in the mid-90s, just after I left university. I'd actually worked for Adrian Reynard before that. So Reynard was a constructor, a car constructor that did Formula 3 cars, Formula 3000 cars, Indy cars down in Vista. So in the very early 90s, I worked for Adrian when I was at, um, in, at university. And that was good fun. Um, and you know, that, that's when I got used to the, to the, to the big wages, um, in, in motor racing and thought, yeah, this has got to be the, the life for me. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I didn't have anywhere to live. So he used to charge me 50 pounds a week for, for one of the hours we owned in the middle of Vista. So we just called it quits. So I worked for nothing for, for a, for a good while, <laughs> uh, but it was all good fun. You know what I mean? I, I just didn't care. I was just learning and loving it. Yes. And, the rest of it. and then I went to work for Mike Pilby and I, I owe Mike, you know, Mike is an old, Mike was the ex, an old Grand Prix team in, in born in Lincolnshire called BRM. Mm-hmm. A lot of your listeners will 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 know that. Um, so um, I didn't mean that to sound condescending, but Mike was chief designer with BRM um, just in, in, the, in the latter years of BRM. And then when that folded, he started his own business, which was Pillbeam Racing Designs. Um, and had done a lot of work for, you know, in rallying, in touring cars, in single seaters, you know, he's the name synonymous with hill climb cars as well. He makes yeah. his own hill climb cars. Uh, and Mike gave me a start straight out of university. Um, and he's a brilliant engineer, Mike, and I have been indebted to him, um, all my career. Absolutely. If there's one person that I'm indebted to, it's Mike Pilbeam because he taught me so much. Um, you know, you kind of come out of university and your university degree is effectively like having a driving license, isn't it? It, it doesn't make you. It doesn't make you a great engineer. It just gives you a license to go and try and be a great engineer. Um, but it was Mike who kind of, you know, set me off on the right path. You know, taught me a lot about methodologies. Taught me a lot of ways to calculate stuff. A lot of methods that I still use today. You know, mm-hmm. um, you yeah. know, very, very fundamental, basic um, engineering um, first principle methods that that you need to to understand if you're going to understand how to design or build fast racing cars or engineer fast racing cars. And then I went from there, I went from Mike um, to, uh, um, to I, I always get the chronology of this long, wrong because it was so long ago, but I, there was a hodgepodge where I was, um, so Fernando Alonso, when he first um, came into, came to prominence, um, straight out of or to prominence that, that's a big word when, <laughs> when he 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 came into single seaters um he went straight into something called formula nissan and he won that and that was something regional in spain so he was out of carts into formula nissan and the very next year and he was still 17 which was unheard of at that wow. point yeah um he come and drove formula 3000 and i worked for the benetton formula 3000 team and was his race engineer so we won some races that that year at 17 and then he got right. snapped by the Minardi team and then went to Benetton and then he's done a few things after that. And yeah, just a bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, what a driver that kid is, you know, what absolutely yeah. brilliant. And we worked back together again at Ferrari as well, which was a nice little square in the circle. That is that is lovely coming back together like that when you when you looked after him in these very early days. 
Yeah, at, yeah. At yeah. seventeen, Rob, did, did you see something special in Alonso? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. He he turned yeah. up with a with a fella called Adrian Campos, and Adrian oh, yeah. has sadly just passed. He's an ex Grand Prix driver. Um, and he was a lovely guy, Adrian. We remained friends for many, many years. Um, and he turned up with his manager. Adrian was just getting into management then. And he turned up with his manager, Adrian Campos. He couldn't speak a word of English. He turned up to the to the Jerez test. It was a pre-season test. And we were down there testing lots of drivers. And I think the 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 uh, it was if you paid your 10 grand or whatever, you could come and have a go. Um, I think it was right. a bit like... Yeah. Right. And... and uh, and so we'd already chosen who was the number one driver and the senior race engineer was going to get to keep this guy, the, the number one driver. I'm not going to mention who he was, but anyway. <laughs> um, and, and the senior engineer was very precious about that. And he said, well, you'll have one of these, you know, these these kind of no marks that, that come through. And uh, so, and and I think we tested, we were there for three days and, and we had six drivers and we put, and Fernando was the last driver and we kind of gone through these five previous, like, Lads who, yeah, you, know, you really couldn't. There was no chance that they were ever going to, you know, even breathe the words Formula One. Never mind sit in a Formula One car. Right. Uh, and then this kid turns up and he couldn't speak a word of English. He's with his manager. The only thing he's got is his helmet, so we had to find him a suit. Oh, um, we put him in the car, and I was like, "What are we doing? This kid's seventeen. It was unheard of to have seven. Yes. It was yeah, yeah. thousand cards back back in those days. Yeah, they were proper race cars, weren't they? Proper race cars. So, like, so we put this kid in, and it's just like a bit through the motions, you know, and, and, and he and he goes out and we put him a used set of tyres on. And um, so I'm sat up there on the little pit wall and the first and the first lap time pops up, you know, and it's whatever. Second lap time pops up and it's not only faster than it's not only it was it was two and a half faster, two and a half seconds faster than any any of the other any wow. of the other five drivers who'd been there that that week. On his second lap? On his second lap. On used tyres, but it was the same lap time as as the as as the number one driver who wasn't there at that point. Actually, he'd already gone at that point. Wow! And then he and then he did the next lap and he went half a second quicker. And then he did the next lap and he did half, and he went half a second quicker. And this was on used tyres. And I thought, uh, and 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 the team manager ran out. And he went, What's he doing? What's he doing? He's gonna he's gonna crash the car. I went no, steady on. Let's just see what this fellow can do. Honestly, you've never seen anything like it. Adrian Campos had the biggest grin on his face, and he was like, "I told you, I told you." Anyway, come in. He couldn't speak a word of English, so we had to translate. And then we said, "Right, we'll 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 put a new set of tires on because um, I really want to see what you can do." And he went out, and it was it was just that time in the afternoon in Earth where it's a little bit humid. And he went out, and he put uh, he went he went a second and a half quicker. So at this point now, he's gone two seconds faster. Right, than Two seconds faster on new tyres than the than the than the, than the number one driver. His second run in a in a three thousand car, and and then he, he does a, we we told him what to do. So you got to do a cool down lap, and then you got to go again. So he does a cool down lap, and and halfway through that cool down lap, I don't know whether any listeners will know Hareth. There's a big big left hander at turn three um, before you go into a really fast right uh, right hander at turn four, and you go up that back straight where Michael and Jacques had that the famous mm-hmm. at the hairpin. Yeah, so, and and of course we didn't have any GPS in them though, in those days. You just had sectors, um, so he goes through sector one and then doesn't come through sector two. You think, well, I wonder what's happened then. So then, anyway, half an hour later, he turns up in the medical car, um, and the car turns up behind him, and the car had no corners on it, no. Really- <laughs> 
chassis. The, 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 you know, it was he was basically setting the survival cell. Yeah, wow. And we said to him, "Well, what did you do?" Um, well, obviously, through Adrian Campos. Yeah. <laughs> story, he said, "Well, he said as it was getting a bit more humid, he said I was coming down the straight. He said, and I could see all these, uh, these, these. You know, he described you know the vortices that you come off that you get yeah. from a Formula One car." Um, off the rear wing, like there's little spirally vortices. Yes. I could see these vortices coming off. And he said, and I was looking them all the way through turn three because it was just like being a Formula One driver. It's all over the rear. He's looking in the mirrors while he's doing like, no he's doing like 170 mile an hour in a Formula 3000 car at 17. No and bins it, yeah. Um, anyway, so I had to do a report. So I had to give a report to the chief engineer on a night who'd like kind of had dibs on this number one driver and I was calling him every, I had to go to the, the, the pay phone in the paddock and like call him up and say, Oh yeah, we had this for and, and then he said, how did you get on today? And I said, well, we had a lad in, he said, he's called uh, Fernando Alonso. I said, I said, you know, he's not, he's not going to be like, he's not going to be like your driver, Chris, but he'll be all right. I think we'll probably wraps <laughs> <laughs> until the first race. And then we unleashed hell and went out there and he, he won a few races and, um, and then the rest is history. So awesome. Awesome. And so honest as well. Um, or naive to be telling you the truth that he was taken in by the poetry of the vortices coming off the rear wing. Well, no, he, had, he still had a massive grin on his face. I couldn't understand the word he was saying, but he still had this <laughs> grin on his face. We still laugh about that now. But he still had this, he had this massive grin on his face that he, he just he just loved it. He was like, he finally made it, you know, in his eyes. And this was as good as it gets. And obviously it got a little bit better than that as well um, later on in his career. Uh, but yeah, so that was Fernando. And then I went on to Stuart Grand Prix, um, and a little bit with Williams touring cars, and that was brilliant. Um, mm. I worked at the Stuart Grand Prix, which was my first job in Formula One, and I was like, what, an old fashioned data engineer. Um, and then I went on to Jordan, um, where I was a data engineer, um, and then very quickly became um, a race engineer and race engineered lads. Um, Jean Lazy, Heinz Harold Frensen, uh, Giancarlo Fisichella. Um, and then out the back of that, I went on to Ferrari. I actually, I went, I went to Ferrari in 2004. Um, I was offered a job by, by them in 2003 and mm. turned that down, um, which uh, my dad, bless him, when he was still with us, just used to say, you know, I can't believe that any, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's just the arrogance of youth, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> considering 2003 they were on that run of what was it five world championships off the back yeah yeah, yeah. and then yeah. Uh, and then went there and then and then i just that that was formative to be honest you know that that mm. that made me as a as, as an engineer and manager into who i am today um 100 yeah and then and then when my kids got a bit old, my kids were born out in italy they got a bit a little bit older so mid uh um so 2013, um, I left Ferrari because the kids were getting old and we wanted to school yes. in England and then come back. And there was only really one team that I ever, you know, I wanted to, to work for. And that was out of respect for Frank. Um, so I come back and, and, and work for Frank. And I think, you know, in those early days, at least we did some really good stuff there with that team. You know, we took it from being very much at the back, which is pretty much where, you know, yeah. fortunately again today. Um, you know, third in the world championship in that in that first year, third in the world championship the next year. Um, really good trajectory, you know, and and put Williams a little bit back um, in everyone's mindset. 
you know, and, and give give Frank what was what we didn't know then, but was probably his last swan song of, of yeah. running somewhere near the front before um, you know he and the family um, sold it up to to um, Dorrington. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice to see Williams on the very much on the up, you know, uh, George Russell on the podium uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Fun yeah. to see them on the right, in the right, in the right direction with with investment and proper uh, funding yeah. behind them these days, which is all. Yeah, important. yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, yeah. they're, they're everybody. You know, nobody has a bad word to say about Williams, do they? You know, and, and yeah, yeah, and that, that is one hundred percent because of Frank Williams. You know. Um, yeah. I, as I said to you before that you know plenty of people throw legend and and, and words like yeah. that around way too easily, but but Frank is a legend, hundred percent. He's a legend. You know, he's a guy who has survived so much and and has given so much, um, not only to his company because obviously he's done that, but to 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 this industry in general. Um, you know, he's a guy who's, who's who's continued to give and continue to have this just massive passion for it. You know, yeah. Another uh, lad from the northeast as well, Rob. Another lad from the northeast. So we, Trails, yeah. I used to go and sit in his. Uh, so so I, I'd have to have uh, two weekends a week with him um, on a mm-hmm. Tuesday and a Thursday because he was still actively involved even when I was there. Uh, and he would just um, settle into this really um, like lovely <laughs> South Shields twang. Did he really? Did he really? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, Rob, I've, I've I've got to ask you about 08, because I've got you on the line and yep. so close, so close to winning that world championship with Felipe Massa. Um, those scenes that we all saw on our TV screens were quite glorious in a sense, from a from a a neutral sense as, as a fan, but horrific. Uh, when we saw you know Felipe's family rejoicing and then unaware that. Hamilton had, had overtaken truly. Um from from your from where you were, were you aware that of what was happening or, or was it just this mass of fervor that was being sort of generated? Well, the, there was there was definitely a mass of fervor. Mm-hmm. Um and I I guess I mean I'll 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 put it in context by saying that when when, when you're doing the job, um you 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 do it without emotion right um yeah. you ca- you can't bring emotion into your decisions when you're going to make split second decisions that that can have literally you know 100 million dollar ramifications yeah. um you cannot bring emotions into that you've got to you've got to remain completely objective and 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 just do the best job that you possibly can so there's always fervor about, right? I mean, you know, there's always because it's it's Grand Prix racing, and you just get kind of blinkered to that, and you and you get you 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 kind of push all of that out of your mind, and you just become, you know, single-mindedly focused on the job in hand, and and that's what I was doing in those final laps. Um, you know, you kind of you recognise exactly what the situation is, um, exactly how this is in, unfolding. Um, and I could see that Lewis was catching. I saw that, you know, Felipe kind of crossed the line um, and that was it, you know, um, that was done. And I said to him, right, you've won the race. Um, you know, it was, it was totally, there was no emotion whatsoever. It was like, you've won the race, but now I've got to wait and see what's happening. At that point, everybody thought he'd won the world championship and the fervor went beyond it. No, it, what it normally does because people started to pull me off the pit wall and like started to drag me down. I was like, 
stop, stop, stop. Like uh, it was probably slightly more. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was, there was a bit more chaucery and terms thrown in. Um, but anyway, I, I was like, stop, because I need to, um, I, I'm still doing my job, basically. Yes. And, and, and just as I kind of like regained myself, and I could see Hamilton coming out the last corner. And I was what, desperately watching the GPS back when I thought, oh, God, he's in front. He's definitely in front. Um, and at that point, I could see him heading up the hill. And then if you've any of your listeners ever been to Sao Paulo, as you yeah. sit in the pit lane, you can look all the way along and you can see right round that long, long left-hander as they come up the hill. Um, and I was waiting to look down the gap at the at the pit entry where I could see the track. And I saw him in front. Um, so I saw him in front a good five, six seconds before he crossed the line. And I thought, well, that, that's that then. And, and kind of because you do approach it completely without emotion, um, that doesn't kick in until later on. So I kind of informed Philippe and I said, look, we've done a good job. And I said, well done, lads. We've, we've all done a good job. Uh, you know, yeah. all of us, all the boys and girls here and in Maranello and all the rest of it, you know, good job. We didn't quite do it, but we give it our best shot. We'll be back again next year. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was completely objective. That was the engineer in me. Um, yes. yeah, yeah. Objective and data-driven and unemotional. And then you kind of climb down and you kind of wrap your things up and you climb down off the pit wall and like wrap your things up and take them back to the office and everything. And then I think, you know, it's probably about between 15 minutes and, and 30 minutes later when all the podium ceremony was going on and I didn't get involved in that or anything like that. Mm-hmm. All that was going on. And then the enormity of it hit me. Um, yeah. and, and, then, and then I did get emotional. I got really emotional. And, and, I, and I was emotional for about an hour. I mean, it was amazing. But it was just... It's it's kind of whatever however many races we were back then was it eighteen races or something like that eighteen nineteen races I can't remember mm. but it's mm. eighteen races of emotion that you've never ever let out um, yes. yeah and and I and, and I can remember just finding finding a place away from all the fans away from the team away from everything uh, I found a place at the end of the pit lane and I went and sat behind this little building behind these porter cabins there was no one else there it was it was very very quiet. Um, and you know everybody was was away doing their thing, I guess. But it, I kind of found this this quiet place and just I literally sat and cried for for an hour, literally an hour. And I couldn't stop. Wow. I couldn't stop. Um, it was just the most amazing like outpouring of emotions. Um, and the whole season's worth of tension, though, Rob. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And then and then you kind of like get over it. And by the yes. time. You, you know, I think we went out on a night and we had a few beers. I think actually we went around Felipe's house and then we went out and had a few beers. Um, and, you know, it was just, you, you kind of, you know, when you look back on it, did it change anything? Would it have changed his life if, 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 if he'd have got that medal? Would it have changed my life? Um, you know, I've got here in my office now, I've got, you know, a, a big replica of the of the Formula One um, World Championship trophy with all the medals on that that we won at Ferrari when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, would would having another one on there have changed anything? Of course, it wouldn't have done. You know, it, it's moments like it's how you deal with moments like that that change your life. Um, not the actual medal, you know, that, that you've got on your chest. That makes no difference whatsoever. It's how you how you you turn that moment round into something positive. How you deal with it. How you deal with the people around you. How you support the people around you. That's what's important, and that's that that's that's what changed. You know, that's what changed me and a lot of other people involved in that for the better that day. Yeah. It's a rich tapestry, isn't it? It's 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 not about it's not necessarily about the winning, it's about the 
the methodology of of doing what you've done over that massive career from '97 pill beam all the way through to to where you are now, and the you know um, the technical consultancy to the Formula One group, and now what you're doing. It's kind of I, th- I suppose, Robert, it's a motorsport mentality of not thinking about the previous corner that you've just taken, but looking ahead to the next corner. Yeah. And then extending yeah. that to the bigger picture of what's the next project. Yeah, um, yeah, 100%. I've, ne- I've never, ever, ever looked back. And I guess I've been lucky, like, you know, um, in that that has just never been something that's important to me. You know, everything that I've done previously – bears no importance um you know um I understand it's, that. it's 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 what's happening next that that's the important bit you know where can we make a difference yeah. next where can we you know what what projects are, have, have we got on our horizon what are we doing next what am i doing next you know all, all of that is just that, that, that's the important bit that's what gets me out of bed on the morning you know there's the stuff that all the bells and whistles again i'm sat in an office here with, with all the bells and whistles um you know because my wife won't allow me any of it in the house you know, driver's suit and champagne bottles from podiums and World Championship yeah. trophies, bits of engine that were awarded to me, myriad of driver's helmets, all the rest of it that the missus um, has banned from the house. Um, <laughs> to be honest, it's just trinkets, you know. Uh, it's just trinkets and pans. It, it's 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 meaningless. It gives you a little bit of a smile every time you think about how you came about it. But the main thing is what's happening tomorrow? What are we doing next? Um, you know, and, and yeah. I, I am, unfortunately, for my wife and family, single-mindedly focused on <laughs> Yes. I'm sure they're used to you by now. Uh, they're getting used to me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I could literally sit here and talk to you all day, mate, but I know, um, you know, you've probably got things to do and we really, really appreciate you taking the time out to have a chat to us. Um, I, am I likely to see you at Warden Law in December with uh, with the karting? Yeah, I would. I would have thought so, um, and I've yeah. said it now, so so I'll have to, won't I? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I I to it. To, you know, when 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 I first started this, and I was busy like designing stuff, the, the carts and and designing, and so I didn't always go to all the first events. And people used to come along and say, "Oh yeah, I don't know, you've got him to put his name on the carts." You know, great that like you have done whoever's running this business really, but you know what, you know. Um, you've done a good job to get Rob Smedley to put his name on your cards. And mm. so I had to start going because people thought that it was just right. like, you know, it wasn't really me. And I'm like, no, no, it's me. I'm doing it. This is what, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm investing 50% of, of, of my time and effort and more like 110% these days. <laughs> um, you know, um, and that's why I like to be there present. I like to see the product as well. You know, it's important that you've got to be there on the ground and see, you know, and, and, and listen to what's right and what's wrong and, and, and take that into account and, and put that into the next generation and, and just be constantly evolving and constantly improving. Rob, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. I look forward to seeing you with Total Karting up at One Law. Best of luck with, with everything and uh, and hope to speak with, you know, let's take an opportunity and speak to you some other time on historicracingnews.com. Yeah, yeah, that would be an absolute pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure having me on this time as well. Thanks so much, guys. The Historic Racing News Radio Show. What a fascinating man. I think there are so many different parts of of his life, his experience, that you you can you can just pick any one of those and it would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that insight into that I think I mentioned a motorsport mentality, which Rob clearly still has, 
of just continually moving forward and the time and effort that he's putting into the total karting concept of, of bringing electric karting and, and bridging that gap for uh, people and kids to get involved in competitive karting and not just uh, the corporate side where you can just turn up and pay your 40 quid and, and have 15 minutes. This is proper competitive karting where it's a, it's on the same idea of uh, arrive and drive, but you are part of a competitive karting event. And as an entry-level formula of going kart racing, an entry-level formula of going motor racing, let's call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, you can just see how still new concepts excite Rob. And he's talking of, at the moment, it's electrical, electric motor technology, but who's to say that we won't try hydrogen cell? You heard him say that. Yeah. Um, and that, I think, when you look at Rob's history, uh, that continues, that he might not be as heavily involved as a Formula One race engineer. And as a Formula One race engineer, as he described there, you know, you, you're kind of exposed as to how good you are because it's dependent on your results. Um, it, it, it's There's a little bit less of being in the spotlight, but he's still massively involved, isn't he? And very, very in it. Energetic is a word I'd use for Rob and the way that he's he's continually pushing the boundaries of technology in what he's doing. I think it's interesting hearing you say there about that in Formula One, as in any motorsport, you are as good as your last race, basically. That if you've gone out there and, and got a podium, got a win, then that's a good day. If you didn't, then it's a bad day. And... I think that that has run through into his current life with with total karting because he does want it to be the best. He does want it to achieve the things that he's set out to do. He's he's very clearly passionate about making it cost effective, and I can see that being very important to him. And if it's hydrogen fuel cells, so be it. And I'm, I'm sure there will be people who will say, well, what's all that got to do with historic motorsport? It's got everything to do with it. It's got everything to do with it because we're we're in a very, very fast-changing environment. We are going to have – we're already seeing electric series, but we're going to see far, far more of them. We're going to see hybrids. We're going to see the things like hydrogen fuel cells that are even talking about running at Le Mans, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, uh, before you know it, um, a decade has passed, Paul, and and hydrogen fuel cells are part of the historic racing scene. Um, it, it, it's the, the mere mention of speaking to Rob Smedley makes it a historic racing news uh, program um, because, you know, the, those anecdotes that he shared with us really uh, very being very honest with us about his reaction after the, the you know the, the losing the 2008 world championship and how close he'd become that was very honest of rob to tell us that and he didn't really have to tell us that but it was part of it's part of who he is and then uh, what a great story about a 17 year old fernando alonso <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, you know, being being looking in in the mirror to say and being taken in by the 
the the the artistry of the vortice coming off his rear wing, yeah, and then subsequently running out the road and destroying a <laughs> chassis. You know, I mean, and then laughing about it. That I mean, that you know, even then, as Rob said, you know, you could see that Alonso was very special. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, just being able to talk to Rob Smedley about not so much, you know, it, what he's doing now. It's all part of that, as I said, rich tapestry of a life in motorsport and a life at the very sharp end of motorsport. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for talking to him. I think it was it was a, a very well spent hour or so um, doing that, and uh, we'll we'll be back with our uh, our usual run of our news and views show on the first Wednesday of every month, and our insider special on the third Wednesday of every month. But from Joe Bradley and from me, Paul Tarsi, that's it for now. And as always, if you have been, thanks for listening.